Welcome to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we inspire collaborative thinking, improved outcomes, and business success with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders and influencers. And now your host, Saul Marquez. And welcome back to the podcast. Saul Marquez here. Today, I have a special treat for you. His name is Dr. David Lenahan. He's the co-founder and CEO of Tibber Health. He's driven by a relentless commitment to make medical education more accessible for students of all backgrounds and income levels. An experienced educator and medical practitioner, he was witnessed firsthand the limitations of the traditional medical school model and resolved to create a better, more inclusive and effective one. It's uh, fascinating what Dave and his team are up to. It really inspiring when you when you think of the soaring cost of tuition, the debt that students come out into their uh, practice as physicians. It's incredible what he's doing and thinking outside the box to to make healthcare better through education. So it's a privilege to have you on the show, Dave. Thanks for joining us. No, Sal. Thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here and looking forward to a great discussion. Likewise. So what is it that got you into the healthcare sector to begin with? I mean, you're a physician by training, right? Right. Yeah. So I wish I could say that it was some great path or vision that I had early on, but I think really the vision for the medical field was my mom. She wanted her son to be a doctor and and kind of drove me down that path at the beginning. And I think a lot of, a lot of parents do that. But as I, as I kind of, got involved and got into practice. And I love, I love the practice. And I love seeing patients. I also realized I really like teaching. And I know the way you describe me as a CEO and of uh, Tiber Health and, and this, that's great. But when I look in the mirror, when my kids are running around, I'm dad, and I'm also a teacher. But that's what I see in myself. And I really started to explore that and, and develop my career as a teacher. And I think it was that process that got me involved in the kind of trying to disrupt medical education. And yeah, so that, that kind of, it was, it was a long path. I wouldn't say it was just one particular event. It was a whole series of a, a career that's led me here. Yeah, for sure. And by the way, I got goosebumps when you said that because it's genuine, it's real, and I love it. And, and so maybe what we could do here, Dave, is chat with the folks a little bit more about Tiber Health, what you guys do and why. Yeah. So Tiber Health was a, is a company, it's actually named after the river in Italy, where the god Escalapius was born. So it actually has a, there's a meaning behind the name of Tiber Health. And the idea is, how do we help employ the really smart, unemployed kids and students in America? And healthcare is really probably the most important thing humanity is trying to solve. And I know that Elon Musk wants to send somebody to Mars, and, and exploration has been a great human endeavor, but that doesn't affect anybody right now. Right. Trying to resolve and, and repair our healthcare system globally affects all of us, all your listeners, everyone we know gets affected by us improving healthcare. And one of the things I, w- I started to see early in my academic career was I thought we were starting to select the wrong types of doctors. We weren't looking at the outcomes and the metrics and how to drive analytics to select doctors that are going to go back into communities that need physicians. So Tiber Health is a company that focuses on trying to get more diversity into the healthcare sector at a cheaper cost so these kids aren't straddled with debt like I was for 20 years. And by doing that, help improve the outcome measures for our parents, our grandparents, and our kids as they go through their life. And so we really have this mission of 
making a difference today, not tomorrow. Hmm. Support tomorrow too, but making that difference happen today, right away. Of course. No, that's, uh, it definitely resonates in a time when it is a problem. And you've got some, some uh, institutions, well, really one in, in the U.S. kind of going toward that way with N- NYU. It's definitely a need. And so what would you say is, is the call to action for folks in, in trying to make a difference within this space? Outcomes. End of the story. Quality and outcomes. If you're in medical education, this is different than every other field there is, in my opinion, in education. That quality has to drive everything. Mm-hmm. And you have to use your outcome metrics to improve that. So the question I think really comes down is how do you improve those outcomes? And what I believe and what Tiber believes is we need to have more diversity in our workforce. And I'm not talking about race. I hate it when we talk about race and people talk about, you know, you got to have this race, only treat these patients. That's nonsense. What we need to be doing is how do we get more diversity in socioeconomic class? And what I found when we looked at this is when we look at rich areas like Evanston and, and Garden City and, and Long Island, mm-hmm. they have enough doctors. How do we get doctors that are going to go into a Cabrini Green in Chicago or East Detroit or Harlem in New York? How do we get people to go in there? And, and to do that, we have to get doctors that, or we have to train doctors of that similar socioeconomic class and to get them in there. And the reason why this is important is because a lot of those patients, understand that communication, the diet they have, the ability to communicate with that patient becomes paramount in getting the patient to follow direction, to comply with the doctor's wishes, so to speak, to help the patient get better. And that's how we, we drive outcomes. And so outcomes and quality are, are the two big things that we need to do. That's a really unique approach. You know, I think most people's minds, like you called out, uh, Dave, go to race. When you think of uh, adding diversity, they think of race. I feel like that's something that is a thing that automatically pops up. You simplify and say it's not race, it's socioeconomic. And and by having these socioeconomic factors, you could more clearly speak to the people that they're treating. Let me give you an example of this. So I I was with a bunch of deans, and I won't say what schools they were with. And we were all talking about how we're going to get more diversity into our medical schools. Because the reality is most of the doctors in medical school look like me. I'm a white male, Midwestern kind of guy. And most of my patients, 30% of my patients are. And so I'm talking to them and, and I'm like, we're supposed to be smart people. We're supposed to be some of the smartest people on the planet. And we've been talking about this problem for a century. My gosh, we got to be able to solve it. And so what we did at Tiber, one of the things that I, I started to develop was by using outcomes and analytics we're able to start seeing what type of student actually does well in medical school. And I found out when we look at the MCAT, the entrance into medical school, I saw that the verbal score really had no bearing on how a student does in medical school. However, Black and Hispanic students or students from lower socioeconomic classes tend to do worse on that verbal score. So I'm like, well, why are we using this score as a predictor to who gets into medical school? So we became the first institution to remove that from our application process. When I did that, all of a sudden, the number of minority students that were eligible to create, to cross our our threshold to come into school increased. And the reason why this has become important, because for medical school, we get thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of applicants for a small number of slots. So it's easy to just draw some logarithm to say, we'll only take students from this kind of group, right? Right. 
But if you take that verbal score out, then you can really solve that problem and get more diversity into your workforce. And so Tiber and our schools became the first school to do that. And again, that's how you use analytics to start the training process to get more diversity into the healthcare workforce. Fascinating. And, and so you, Dave, have a university as well. Is that correct? Right. So we became the first group to acquire a U.S. medical school. Lots of people have tried. Which is I mean, fascinating. A lot of the big- and, and huge kudos to you because when you think of the two industries that really are highly complicated, bureaucratic, and really tough to crack. It's education and healthcare. So congrats for picking the most difficult area to work in. (laughs) (laughs) I really think the reason why we were able to do it, and it's not me, it's the team that we were able to do it. But the reason why we were able to do it is because our focus on outcomes, not just everyone talks about quality. Everyone says, oh, we have a high quality product or we have, we focus on quality. And you should say that. But you have to have the outcomes and you have to have the analytic metrics behind you to prove it. Hmm. And I think we were able to do it because we had that data and that data drives the whole engine. Fascinating. So now you guys have the university and you're working with what you guys believe is going to make a difference. Give us an example of what you've done already to improve outcomes. So we've, we've expanded. So we're in St. Louis and we'll be in about four or five different other places in the United States next year. And we've created what we call this master's program. And the master's program is kind of for the students who didn't get into medical school. And what I believe is that a lot of these students who don't get into medical school will become very good doctors. But it's tough to figure out who's going to be successful in the academic side of things. So what we do is say, all right, Let's say you got a a C in calculus, biology, and chemistry your freshman year. You're probably not going to get into medical school because your grades just aren't sufficient. And this tends to be a lot of the minority students because here's what happened. My son went to a private school his whole life. He's had all the opportunities. Dad's done well, so I get him tutors or get him what he needs. He gets a 1500 on the SAT. Another student gets a 1300 on the SAT, but he went to an inner city school and go to Harvard, let's say. My son gets an A in calculus, biology, and chemistry because he's had these classes before. This inner city student gets C's. It's not that my son's smarter. It's that my son had more opportunity. That inner city student doesn't get into medical school because of those grades. So what happens is we say, all right, we think you're going to be a really good doctor. So we're going to bring you into our master's program and run you through our program. It's the very first year of medical school. So we run them through that and then we're able to devise our analytics. So as they're going through, we built this predictive model whereby looking at their exam scores and how they do, I can predict how they would do on their board exam, which is what they're going to need. If they do well, we bring them into medical school. So I'm taking a bunch. This is where it gets real exciting, Sal. I'm taking a bunch of students that never got into medical school. They were never, ever going to get in. We train them and use analytics, and then we bring them into med school. And here's the exciting part. These students do better on the national, on the board exam than the national average across the United States. Wow. So we're Tiber is taking a group of students that no other med school was taking. We run them through our program, get them into medical school, and they do better than the other students who just go normally. To me, And most of these students are are lower socioeconomic students. Mm. To me, this is the most exciting thing that we do. I'm telling all the other school deans that, look it, you need to change how you look at your admission process. We need to kind of revamp it. 
And then the other part is the students that don't get into medical school, we can tell them, you know, you can go into dentistry, you can go into pharmacy, you can go into pharma sales. So we can start moving them into the healthcare workforce, getting more diversity into the healthcare workforce and filling those jobs. So we're, we're taking people with lower socioeconomic starting points and getting them into jobs that pay a high salary. That changes the whole life. It's like the TV show or the movie Rudy. Once Rudy went to college, everyone else went to college. Once you kind of lift them up and give them an opportunity, they shine. And again, that is really an exciting part of what we do, that, that social benefit of what we create. Amazing. What a great example and, and fascinating program and layout. And it finally clicked, Dave, like the Tiber. And folks, I, I don't know if you know this, but I, I was a classical humanities major when I was uh, in college. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and wow. uh, I love it. In the story, I would go back and do that if I could, Sal. I, I love that topic. So. <laughs> it was fun, man. I enjoyed it, and and uh, it clicked. So Romulus and Remus were left at the River Tiber. <laughs> That's right. And and they were discovered by a she wolf. They would have been left there to die, and they weren't. And then that was the beginning of Rome, which is you guys all know. It's 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 a num- yeah. num- story in this way, just connecting the dots for everybody listening. If you haven't, the folks at Tiber Health, Dave and his team are leaving the Romulus and Remuses of the world (laughs) (laughs) and picking them up and helping them develop a healthcare, you know, not necessarily empire, but helping contribute to healthcare. I love the connection. I literally just made it, Dave. (laughs) It took me a while to get to that. I'm actually going to steal the Romulus and Remus example. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad because it, it's definitely what you guys are doing. They were left there to, to die. You guys picked them up and you're doing the same in healthcare. So truly magnificent. So give us an example of, of a time when you guys made a mistake or, or had a setback, Dave. Take us to that moment. What did you learn from it? You know, just a, the problem is, is that everyone sees kind of this, you started here and now you're there and they think it's a linear path. And I guess if you're a young entrepreneur, you're trying to set up, it ain't a linear path. It's all <laughs> over the place. And I remember this, this one time I had to get medical students to go to class is very hard. They're A personalities. They're smart. They've learned on their own their whole life. And so a lot of times I think they can do this. And so we just couldn't get many students to go to class. And mm-hmm. so I had this brilliant idea. I go, that's it. I've had enough of students not come to class. So I installed fingerprint scanners all over campus. <laughs> and I said, every time you go in and out of class, you have to fingerprint in and out, or we're going to mark your absence and deduct it from your score. I thought this was a brilliant idea, Sal. It was the <laughs> worst bloody idea ever. The students revolted. They, all the petitions, they, were, they started to sue me because they thought I was stealing their fingerprints to break into oh. their bank accounts. I mean, <laughs> and I, the thing that was really interesting is everyone told me not to do it. So like Dave, that doesn't, they didn't come out directly and say, that's not, you know, I wouldn't do that. All they would say is, I don't know if that's such a good idea. (laughs) And uh, it was a disaster. And I had, by next year, the following year, I had stopped it and pulled everything out. I guess the moral of that story is, it's okay to make a mistake. Yeah. I did it. I fixed it. But you have to make a decision. And what it did was it got the notion to the students that they have to go to class. This is too important to try to do it on their own. And there's all types of failures from maybe calculating your analytics wrong to coding a script wrong or putting fingerprints in. But the thing is, you have to make a decision and move forward. And if it's not right, fix it. 
But a lot of times people get stuck and can't make a decision. And it's okay. And I even tell this to my kids, it's okay to make a mistake. You just have to keep trying. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the lesson I think I really learned from it. Love that. Love that, Dave. And it's interesting. And you know, you, you talk about you have a team and I think it's, it's so important to surround yourself with people that, you know, are, you know, see the vision, but it's also good to have one or two people that see the other side and will tell you straight up, Hey, you know what? I don't think that's going to work like point blank. So I actually have two of those guys and I won't say their names because they'll probably get embarrassed, but (laughs) I can come up with some crazy stuff. Like I had this one other one. I'll I'll give you another example of a failure because it relates. It was called, it's, um, I call it a DNA morphing rating system. Huh. And okay. I related it to golf because in golf, the only people you compete against is yourself to get a better score. Right. So I thought, same thing with grades. I was going to morph your grading scale based on your ability. So if you're really clever and do well, you might need to get a 96 to get an A. But I would only need to get an 85 to get an A. So the system would change your grading scale based on your ability instead of everyone having the same grading scale. And I actually, one of my friends told me aside, they go, after the debacle of the fingerprint, you cannot do this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I had I worked out it. all the coding, I'd worked out everything for it. And, and they're, like, they're like, yeah, no, 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 no. But, but you really need somebody that's just not going to agree with you. You need somebody that's going to stand up and say, that's not a good idea. Let's really rethink this. Oh, so you're nice. right. That is so good. And, and you know what? I, through my career, I've, I've been sort of glass half full. And recently, actually, I had uh, one of my people at work just have a really frank conversation with me. And they said, look, we know that you see things, the positive, but it's important that you take a look at the other side of the glass yeah. and call out the things on that side, too. It's important. Yeah. I think with people like I'm the same way, Sal, and I think with us is it's tough for us to do that. So you need somebody there that you trust that can also point that out to you. Yeah. So interesting. <laughs> Thanks for sharing those. Definitely uh, took some nuggets of wisdom there. I know the listeners did too. <laughs> What's one of your proudest moments uh, to date with Tiber? You know, this actually happened. It's, it's not necessarily to date, but it's the kind of thing that happens and it happened yesterday. It's when a student, I was driving, my brother had flown into town to come in and visit us and we're driving home from the airport and a student called me and he just was, just wanted to check how he was doing, telling me what he was doing and how much he liked my course 10 years ago when he was a student and was describing some patients that were similar that we had, we had worked in class. That's what gets me excited. You know, when, when a student calls up and says, hey, I, I did learn something, even though I complained about you when you were teaching me this stuff. We did learn something, and it was important to our clinical practice. Again, when I look in the mirror, I see myself as a teacher. And so when someone comes back and says, hey, I learned something from you, that, that to me is, is the most exciting thing. And, it, you know, my wife can tell when a student's called me because I'm beaming, you know, <laughs> during the evening. And, you know, it makes you feel great. Yeah. And, and so that's probably, I mean, I could talk about, you know, starting a new business or having a success in the business, but the reality is, Helping somebody who's going to go help somebody else is the whole purpose of being a teacher. And that, that really gets me excited. That's beautiful. And now you're doing it at scale with Tiber. And, uh, and so I think it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. What would you say an exciting project you're working on today is? I really think the, the project on our, our master's program and using the analytics. 
So by, by being able to get more students into our medical schools that normally wouldn't get in, and these students are coming from lower socioeconomic backgrounds where they don't have all the opportunities. So by getting them into med school and using this type of platform that we created in our analytic engine on the predictive, that's what I do all day. And that's something we can take globally. So not only are we looking at it here in the U.S., but we can take that across the world. So Think about this for a few seconds. We have a medical school in Ethiopia, and I got five Somali doctors that look like they're going to do very well on our analytic model. I can call up the Minneapolis-St. Paul health system, which has a lot of Somali immigrants in their health and their practice life, and say, hey, look at guys. I got four docs. They're going to do great on the boards. You need ER doctors. You need orthopedic surgeons. Let me place them into your community. That's going to improve the cultural competency of their workforce there. It's wow. going to interact with their patients better. They're going to get better outcomes at a lower cost. So we're driving the cost down, improving the outcomes, and giving people opportunities globally. And the number that's just staggering, we're 13 million healthcare workers short on this globe right now. We're not solving this problem today. I mean, we got to be aggressive and active in doing this. And as far as I can see, Tiber's really the leader in taking the reins and trying to solve this problem. Oh man, that's that's awesome. And you know, the question just occurred to me. So you've got the access part. How about the financial part? You know, how are you guys tackling that, especially when you're getting students in that don't have the means to necessarily pay for us? That's great. You've got to keep these costs down. And it's great NYU is giving away free tuition, but they got lots of money in their endowment. They had somebody donate $400 million to make this happen. Yeah. Most of the medical schools and universities across the United States, across the globe, cannot do it. So what we do differently is we completely change the way the curriculum is delivered. So all of our lectures are kind of given on video. So the students watch the lectures. Now, this okay. is not an online program. They still have to come to class. Mm-hmm. But they take that lecture part and move it off, offline. And then when they come into class, we work through clinical problems, problem after problem after problem, which means we also get analytics. But by doing this, I really reduce my cost. If the teacher gets sick, if the teacher leaves, I reduce my cost of delivery by about 35, 40%. So when you look at our tuition levels, our tuition levels are about half of what the average in the United States is. Wow. By keeping the tuition levels down, also by maintaining and sustaining a business environment, yes. that's how you solve it. And if you look at the average debt load of our students, we're about 30% of the national average. Now, this is important because all of the majority of our students come from families who earn less than $30,000 a year, and they're borrowing less money than the students that are going to the other schools. That's the exciting thing. That is exciting. So we're able to keep the cost up because it took me 20 years to pay off these bloody loans, right? Yeah, I took, it takes a long time. And you, I don't want my kids and I don't want, so, no, nah, it is ridiculous, right? Yeah. So it's, Love My it. wife no. would say it's incredibly ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, man, I, I, I'm definitely, uh, you got to run a good business and you got to give value. So it sounds like you guys are going above and beyond with the value for the price. And so kudos to your team for having been able to put that together. Getting to the end of the interview here, we have a lightning round. So I've got five okay. questions for you. It's the 101 of Dave on how to improve outcomes in healthcare. So you ready for the five questions? Sure. Are they short answers or? Short, short answers. Short answers. All right. Here we go. Yeah. Let's so go. these are like, like rapid fire. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? Quality and analytics. 
measure everything you do and make decisions based on that information, not your gut. What is the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? Trying to do everything yourself. When I first started, I, I thought I had to do everything and get a team around you of people you trust and let them do it. They're probably smarter than you are anyway, and they'll do it better. Just learn to trust the people that you work with. Amen. How do you stay relevant despite constant change? I guess do what you love. I'm president, I'm CEO. I still teach in the classroom. If you like the code, if you like to write, if you like to do art, make sure you still do that as you move up the ladder because that's what's going to keep you connected with why the business is successful. What's one area of focus that drives everything in your company? Quality. And what is your number one success habit? Learning to trust people. That, when I say habit, you have to learn to do that and make that a habit. You can't do everything yourself, as I said before, so you have to kind of work hmm. on how you trust people and make that a habit. Of that. What book would you recommend to the listeners, Dave? My wife, you know, I love The Hobbit. I know I'm supposed to say the some Hobbit? management book or something. Yeah, The Hobbit. <laughs> I love it. It was, the, it was, it was that, the very first book I read to my children when they were four and five. Wow. And if you read it, it's a life lesson, right? It's the journey. It's not necessarily about the reward at the end. It's yeah. the journey, traveling through and learning what you need to do and the ups and downs. Not everything's great. It's going to be the ups and downs of life. And so if you look at the book from that perspective, and it's an enjoyable book, but you look at it from that perspective, it provides incredible, valuable lessons to the kids and the adults of today's society. Still relevant. Love that. What a great book to recommend. Listeners, go to outcomesrocket.health. Check out, uh, just type in Tiber Health in the search bar. You'll find all the show notes and transcript there. Dave, before we conclude, I'd love if you could just share a closing thought and then the best place where the listeners could get in touch with or follow you. Yeah, so if you want to get in touch with us, it's tiberhealth.com. And you go to our website and kind of see what we're doing and, and, and what we're about. A closing thought, I know in today's environment, we want to say, you know, everything's going up in smoke and everything's bad. But I think this is one of the most exciting times on the planet to be alive. Healthcare is becoming a global opportunity for everybody. It's one of the fastest growing markets. We're now able to make strides. And as long as you internalize the idea of do the best you can at all times, you're going to be an, a very successful healthcare worker. And embrace it. Be part of it and make tomorrow better for our kids. And to me, that's what life's all about. So I'm excited about it. Love it, Dave. Hey, it's uh, truly inspiring to have you on the podcast. Keep up the amazing work and looking forward to staying in touch with you. Thanks again for spending time with us. Thanks, Al. Really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Outcomes Rocket podcast. Be sure to visit us on the web at www.outcomesrocket.com for the show notes, resources, inspiration, and so much more.